Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi there. I want to talk to you about Duncan. No, you're okay. This one, real fucking up. Okay, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Hey, Walter, come on. Oh, you're from the neighborhood. You're right. Well, that's not entirely true. I came to see you, but where are the paperweights? That's what I want to see now. It's just torture and murder. No platinum characters. Very, very realistic. I think it's what's next. Am I hallucinating here? Just what in the hell do you think you're doing? Learn about Cuba. What? Toast to toast, my friends, to our health and cheer and happiness. Otto, let the ritual begin. Hello and welcome to the Cult Film Companion Podcast, the home of movies that are off, under, and ahead of the cinematic radar. My name is Chris, I am your host, joined as ever with my co-host Andrew. Good, good evening. Good evening, sir. How are you doing today? Pretty good, I have to admit. Awesome, yeah. awesome, awesome. So we are, uh, just so everyone knows, this is our redo of Duel. Yep. And um, that we'll, is... and it's going to be better this time. It's going to be, a, yes. We had a lot of enthusiasm but, enthusiasm, but we had technical difficulties, so now we're doing it again. So, But before we get into Steven Spielberg's debut film, I just want to mention that we are now on pretty much every major podcast platform out there. Just click on the link in our uh, website from ACAST and you can get the link to our show in the podcast of your choice or just go to your podcast platform of choice. Search for the show. It should be there. If we are on a platform that you would prefer, please let me know on my email, uh, cultfilmcompanion at gmail.com or on Instagram at the cult, no, at cultfilmcomp. I should get that ready one at some point in time. We are also a featured podcast on Newsly. Newsly is an audio app for iOS and Android. Picks up web articles about the most trending topics on the web at any given moment and then reads them to you in a natural human voice. For the first time in the history of the internet, the entire web becomes listenable. You browse from articles from topics that you choose. You can follow any topic as specific as you like from sports, science, the Bitcoin, to the drama that is the Kardashians. And it will find the latest articles and read them to you. And they have podcasts there as well. Our podcast, The Cold Film Companion, is a featured podcast there. Explore trending podcasts from over 50 different countries. Download and use Newsly for free now from www.newsly.me or from the link in the description. Use the promo code C-O-L-T-F-1-L-M. Drop the I, pop in a one, Cult Film, and get a month free premium subscription. We are also very proud to be part of the Blind Knowledge Collective at www.blindknowledge.com where you can explore podcasts and videocasts from content creators from all around the world. A very DIY site where the creators come first and anything that, uh, any particular kind of nook and cranny of uh, creativity is explored there in some form or another. We are available there. There's plenty of good shows, so Check out the uh, Blind Knowledge Creative Collective. We are very proud members of such a creative community. It is now time. Speaking of creative, um, Steven Spielberg, regardless of your opinion on his movies, and uh, to me, I think there, some of them are hits, some of them are misses, but that's just my opinion. You can't deny the fact that he is uh, a, an extremely creative 
individual. And um, this was the first time that we, well, not we, this was not the, this movie came out long before I was even born, but this was the first time um, audiences got a, a taste of a Steven Spielberg other than TV. And we are talking about Duel, which was released November 13th, 1971, as the ABC Movie of the Week um, from a screenplay by Richard Matheson uh, based on his own novella that was actually published. Also, the short story Duel was published in Playboy magazine. And, um, yeah. So we've got Duel. And, Andrew, what's, uh, how, how do we sum up Duel? How do we sum up Duel? Uh, it's a instead of a man versus nature themed uh, flick, we've got man versus machine here. Yes. Yeah, and uh, this was you know this this isn't a new concept. Uh, Fritz Lang did it with Metropolis back in the nineteen twenties. So that's you know in spades we've got man versus machine with that movie, but here it's uh, a whole different take. We've got basically a Michael Myers. Uh, in a in the driver's seat of this truck that is terrorizing the protagonist of this movie, and I say I equate it to Michael Myers because there's there's no real reason to why this driver in this truck is terrorizing this individual. It's just happening, and you have to accept it. Right, and um, that's something that you, that I appreciate um, that you you bring up. Uh, Michael Myers was always um, one of my favorite slasher villains. And what I liked about the original Halloween so much is that there is no motivation. Um, right. If you want motivation from Michael Myers, check out Rob Zombie's version. He devotes the first half of the movie to motivation that I don't think was really necessary. Well, and similar to Black Christmas, where the original, there's no motivation, it's, and in the remake, they have to supply a backstory. Right. Yeah. I think there's plenty of movies where you get a killer's motivation, so for something to, to kind of be like, you know what, that's not really the important thing here. Um, and the real raw terror is the real... Right, what you're dealing with. And basically, that's what we get here with Duel. We have, um, like you said, man versus machine. We have uh, Dennis Weaver um, is our protagonist. And I should have written down his name. What was his character's name? Oh, well, his last name is Man. Man, right. M-A-N-N. Yep. Um, Which which is a spin on... uh, the his his struggle with masculinity basically throughout the movie right with being a traditional uh man <laughs> in society so yeah and we're introduced to his character um and he's on the road and uh, interesting enough that what he's he's listening to some talk radio as the opening credits go by mm-hmm. but there's a very interesting conversation going on in this talk radio thing this this guy is calling in to i guess like a a help show kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And he's asking about the census because he wants to know if, um, even though his wife is, uh, the, the breadwinner yeah. and he's the stay at home dad, does he still qualify as head of the household? Right. I mean, this is a big thing 
Yes. This is a big theme here yeah. to tackle. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's very, very interesting. I mean, it's kind of like, I mean. And it might be a prank call. We're not quite sure. Yeah, because the, the guy is saying, well, I mean, are my neighbors going to find out? <laughs> it, it, it gets kind of silly, but there is kind yeah, there is a very interesting underlying kind of theme here. Yeah. Of, and I uh, mentioned it at the beginning before doing any research. I was like, pay attention to that. That's, yeah. You know, that's worth noting. So we've got, and he, um, he's note. Uh, we should note that he's driving a Plymouth Valiant. Right. So. So he's supposed to be a Prince Valiant. He's any. He's the opposite of a Prince Valiant, and it's actually explained when he has phone conversations with his wife, and uh, she's mad at him because he didn't stand up for her. He didn't. He didn't defend her honor, basically. Yes. When another guy at a party was making moves on her. And uh, so that there's an emasculation that's going on here with his character right from the beginning. Right, mm-hmm. and he's um, he's a very straight laced, normal, almost too average kind of guy. Yep, he's a traveling. I think that's the point. Yeah. yeah, he's a traveling salesman. I think we compared him to a piece of white bread. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Wonder, Wonder bread. bread. He's yeah. basically like a, a slice of Wonder bread. It's nothing, you know. It's very cookie cutter kind of thing going on. But um, he's wimpy, and I don't want to. I want. I don't want to say passive aggressive, but he's, you know, he's kind of a wimpy guy. He's a. He's a skinny spectacle. He wears spectacles. Uh, type of dude in his. Uh, in his business suit, isn't he? Isn't in his business suit. For this, at the beginning, is he wearing a shirt and yeah. tie. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 He's, he's driving to an appointment, and he's worried that he's going to be late getting there. That's he's, right. Um, but yeah, he stops to get gas, and he's calling his wife, and she, yeah, he, ba- not only did he not stand up for her, but he on the phone call kind of like is defending the other guy. He's like, "Well, he was just drunk." Yeah, and it, it's like it excuses instead of saying, "You're, you know, you know, next time." I'm gonna knock that that guy out yeah. or anything like that. He's like, well, the guy was just drunk. Right. It, it's just there's he, no stepping up to the plate with him. No, he's basically he's kind of like a doormat yeah. kind of guy. You could tell that his wife is running the show at home um, because he's always out. And um, I mean, he as a traveling salesman, I can only imagine the amount of pressure that I mean the higher ups probably put on him. They probably send him out on. Like, he's probably a yes man mm-hmm. that, that he'll drive wherever because he's driving a considerable distance mm-hmm. um, to make this this appointment that that, that he that he's dealing with. And um, throughout the yeah, it's kind of like a, a almost a blessing in disguise the terror that he under minds because uh we get to see a transformation of a character here that's right right before our eyes that's right um a real metamorphosis yeah mm-hmm. uh he's got a uh, yeah because... and he's cornered he doesn't want to do it at all he does not want to be the hero of this no. story at all he just wants to do his job get away from this this dude who's terrorizing him and continue with his life you right. know but it's not going to happen. No. Um, so we've got uh, a, a very interesting story here from uh, Richard Matheson. Um, Richard Matheson, I, a very, very noteworthy career mm-hmm. as not only a novelist, but as a screenwriter mm-hmm. um, and um, a tele, I guess they call them teleplays for, mm-hmm. for TV. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote a, over a dozen episodes of the original Twilight Zone. He did. And Twilight Zone is a big factor for this film. Um, 
in that respect because Dennis Weaver also did a Twilight Zone episode that was uh, very notable about, it's like a Groundhog Day with a man on death row. Okay. Yeah, so he wakes up after he's been, you know, killed, and then it's the same thing again. He has to wait for his execution, and, and, he, and he's good in that. And Spielberg not did not direct an episode of The Twilight Zone. But he, there's one that is definitely a basis for pol- poltergeist. Poltergeist, and then he would later go on to direct a segment of The Twilight Zone movie. Kick the can, that's right. right. Yep. But he directed an episode of Night Gallery, which was... Rod Serling. Yes. Yep. So there's a lot of Twilight Zone going on with the creators behind the scenes of Duel. And um, the the original Twilight Zone, to me, is probably just one of the, if not the best television series ever created. It's well, it's hugely yeah. influential. It's endlessly rewatchable. And right. for some reason, even when they run marathons, there always seems to be an episode that I never saw before. Same here. Same here. And I, and I should bring up that my introduction to Duel was, uh, I guess, around 1980. Um, I would have been around 10 years old. And my mother and I had just moved up to Maine, and she had gotten uh, a weekend job. She had a day job, too, but her weekend job was, was working at uh, uh, a psych ward nearby. Ooh. It was actually across the river. And uh, so during that time, during those nights, uh, I would stay, stay up and watch late night TV on our little black and white, little portable black and white TV. Always caught the Twilight Zone, um, probably around 11 o'clock at night, and then the late, late movie, or the late night movie. And Duel was that late night movie more than once. So I remember being riveted by this movie at that age, back then even. Yeah, and it's... um... It's a very simple story when you kind of break it down. Like you said, we've got the faceless, nameless truck driver. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's more so about the truck itself. Mm-hmm. Um, Spielberg cast the trucks. He was brought to, like, a lot, and he was, you know, the, given some of the ones to look at. And um, so this was made in 71. And I guess at the time, the more modern, it had, like, a flat front. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't have a nose. No. Um, what we have here is he... The engine was in the back or something instead of in the front. Right. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't... Um, what we got here is an old Peterbilt truck, and it's got a nose where the engine is. Mm-hmm. It's, got, it's got a grill. It's got a grill. With teeth. With some gritty teeth. Mm-hmm. And um, either the... You know, it's up to you. You could say that the headlights are the eyes or the... the the windows. The windows. The filthy, filthy windows. Know, they're like mud covered. The whole truck is the whole gross tr- as fuck. That's what they. Yeah. I, and he, that's what he was saying that that the whole truck, like what he was, uh, Spielberg commented. You know, Dennis Weaver would be getting his makeup done, and there would in be one tent, and there there would be a crew that was doing up the truck. <laughs> they were adding filth to it. There was never, you know. Um, this truck is in dire need of a wash. Yeah. Uh, it also appears to be pulling a huge tanker of something flammable, mm-hmm. um, which we'll, we'll, get, we'll into get into that with yeah, the, with the end. ending. Um, my theory is that there's nothing in that truck. Uh, Otherwise, it wouldn't be able to drive as fast. Yeah. It is it, souped up, and the, even uh, Tom... Uh, even, it's not Thomas, man. Even Dennis Weaver's character says that at one point in his uh, inner monologue. He's like, he's got some sort of souped-up truck or something. How right. can it do all of that, you know? So we've got, um, for the most part, what we're dealing with is, um, 
you know, I would say 75% of the movie is just a cat and mouse game on the highway. Mm-hmm. And Dennis Weaver's alone in the car. So we're left, we're left alone with Dennis Weaver's character, Mr. Man, um, and his inner monologue and his inner thoughts. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes those kinds of... Um, it, it works in this movie. It works very, very well for this movie. Sometimes... I, I, I don't you need think those it, quiet moments when he's talking to himself in his head. Actually. Right. Yeah, um, it gives it some a new dimension, some depth. And it is it it's it comes off as naturalistic. It comes off as the kind of inner thoughts that you would have in the situations mm-hmm. that you're you're put in. You know, building paranoia about this situation. Right. This guy is following me. He won't leave me alone. No one else is going to help me. Yeah. You know, I'm on my own here. What? Why? Why? I mean, that's a big question that he asks himself. Why so is this he, happening to me? Yeah, he first notices the truck, I believe, when he pulls in to get gas. Okay. Uh, and um, the truck driver is aggressively beeping the horn, and even the gas station attendant seems a bit ticked off. Mm-hmm. Um, but he doesn't get to see, and, and I was, we were talking about, we're going to bring up the scene of the diner later on, but this is the scene at the gas station um, when he's he's getting his car filled up with gas, he goes inside um, to to call his wife, and he no he this is when he sees the truck driver descend from the cab down to the ground. This is when on the other side of the truck, right? This is when he sees the truck driver's boots because yep. later in the movie, um, he tries to find the truck driver in a cafe based on those boots. Yeah, so we've got we got a slow escalation of the kind of um, of the truck tailgating him at first and then he eventually lets the truck go and then he'll the truck will pass and then go really slowly we've all been there right We're trapped behind this stinking nasty ass truck that's spitting out gross black black, black smoke right. is just pouring out right. um, he has to breathe that and it's like he's not going to make his appointment because this truck is, yeah he's you know, totally slow it's like yeah like, he's like you were tailgating. Yeah, we've all been in that situation. We're on the highway when you let somebody go ahead of you because <laughs> they they've thought you were going too slow, but then they pull in front of you and they go even slower. slower. Right, right. Um, so the inspiration for this uh, came from um, a road rage incident that occurred on the day that JFK was assassinated, November twenty second, nineteen sixty three. Richard Matheson uh, and a friend. Uh, were golfing and coming home from the golf game had just heard about the JFK assassination um, and then they were tailgated by a, a truck and yeah it, it a truck that was was uh, aggressive was was kind of giving them a run for their money so to speak you know and they had to pull over they had to pull over quickly and desperately I think they ran into something like into a a, a hill or something I, I like that I thought that they had one of those like dusty kind of like pull-off sites on okay. the side of the highway. But still, um, it was an escape right. from this truck that was going to, you know, ostensibly mow them down. Right. This is on JFK's assassination. So there are there are implications here um, between, you know, you could say that maybe the person in the truck was an anti-JFK uh, individual, right. you know, and noticing that the people in this car might have been progressive Democrats, something to that effect, and wanting to give them, you know, uh, a what's what you know, on this particular day. I mean, that's just, you know, I'm total 
totally sure. speculating, but that could be. You or know, you could just have of... you could have on on the flip side, you could have someone that's really upset about the uh, the death of JFK and it's just like wanting to just like go postal, just like has like um, no other avenue to to release this anger. Maybe Except he, on a car that yeah. happens to be in front of him. Well, I mean, that, that's I mean, more in line with what's going on in Duel. Right. Sure. So we sure. get, But we get the slow escalation. It was, it was probably, by the way, just it was probably on the Ventura Highway, which is where they filmed Duel. I found out that Richard Matheson lived in Ventura, which is where I was born. So oh, I, wow. I know the Ventura Highway. I know that, that stretch of desert, basically. And that's kind of the, California. Palm, is, is the Palmdale area? Uh, I don't think so. Um, I don't know, to tell you okay. the truth. I should know, and I don't. I th- because I, I wrote down Palmdale. Um, it's Spielberg mentioned it for some reason. Oh, okay, well, but. then perhaps. And perhaps out even to, like, 29 Palms, I think it's called, which is uh, in the desert. So we get this truck... You got this driver. He's being a first of all. First, he's just being annoying. I mean, if anything, I mean that's. I mean, like you said, we've all been there. That's just annoying to have someone tailgate you, and then when you let them pass, then you're stuck behind them. But we we get an escalation here, and the the scene that where uh, it starts to get real is uh, the truck driver. You, all you see is the hand go out the uh, driver's side window. To wave Dennis uh, Weaver on so he could pass him. So Dennis Weaver's like, finally, this guy's going to let me go. Crosses, I think, the double yellow line to pass him. And he's they're making a turn at the... There's a curve. And the, the truck driver has just waved him on into an oncoming car. That's right. Uh, that's right. So that's, that's a big aha moment for Dennis Weaver's character. It's like, what? My God, what is this guy yeah, doing? We've, yeah, we've... We've gone from ignorant, Hick. annoying, ju- yeah, yeah, jerk, redneck, just being a jerk on the highway to someone going like, "I'm going to straight up kill you." Yeah, like that's so. Now yeah. we know um, that uh, the gloves, have, you know, the gloves are off. This, yeah, this is this is real. Uh huh. And so after he- out on an open road where you think you know, uh, you know, I couldn't possibly broad daylight. Be the right. victim of you know of you know someone who's trying to kill me. What are the and, odds? Right, right. That, but then it becomes such a scary terrain yeah. because it's really just the two of them that you see for most of the movie. You see other cars once in a while, but uh, Spielberg does a good job at making it seem like they're the only ones on this road. Yeah, and we should uh, we so he worked with a cinematographer named uh, Jack A. Marta. Um, and an editor, Frank Morris, will talk about the editing, but he, basically the way that he planned this movie out is that he had the highway kind of like, he said it was kind of like an architect's blueprint, like an overhead view of the highway, and he, he mapped out. He mapped out where he wanted cameras. And positioned cameras, that's right, throughout the whole trip, or for a long stretch of it. So they could save time and save time, right? Basically. So like because they, he had to have this movie filmed in what, like four or five days? Is no, that they right? had uh, ten days. They had ten days. Ten days initially, they, and it they, took twelve. I think it's they went over for twelve, and then once it got a theatrical release, they gave him like three more days of filming. So altogether, I think all all said in the in the version that we watched, which is the theatrical release. 
um, 16 days. Mm-hmm. And what you see for 16 days yeah. on a budget of $450,000 is amazing. It really is. Uh, I mean, he had the foresight that I he knew that, I mean, we're spending so much time with one car... So the car is noticeable because it's bright red. Mm-hmm. The truck has a very noticeable look. It, like you said, there's a fa- like this truck has a face. Mm-hmm. It's an evil face. Mm-hmm. And um, there's also multiple license plates, like old, that's, rusty license that's plates. That's what really got me in the movie. And that was apparently Ad, uh, Spielberg's touch for the movie. It's not yes. in the book. It's not no. in the original novella. Um, but that really got me. I was like, these are all his victims. Yeah. He basically... He, he, he kills them and then takes their license plates and puts them on his truck. And oh, it kind of reminds me of the, those cars where they have, like, the, the on the back window, like, they'll, they'll have pictures of each of their family members. Not an actual family member, but you get, like, the mom, dad, and then, like, kids. Okay. Like, it's, like, it, it's kind of, like, so everyone can know how many... People are in your family. Oh, oh, oh! Or, what, or in the car, maybe. Yeah, okay. or just, just kind of. It's just one of those annoying kind of things that you see on 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 windows or like an annoying bumper sticker. This guy's got the license plates of, <laughs> of his victims from. Um, yeah, and he seems he's got this circuit. I know there's from a, all one, over the country. There's one from. I know there's one from Nevada. I want to say there's Oklahoma's okay. in there. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, there's the um, the insinuation that he. This is something. This is this is what he does. Yeah, I mean the guy the guy who played this this part, even though you don't see him, he asked uh, he asked I think he asked Spielberg like, "What's my mo- motivation for this character?" You know, Spielberg was like, "You're just a low down rotten son of a bitch." Right. <laughs> and he he's said, like, "Okay, you got the right he's, guy." He's like, "You got the right." He's a stunt guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I was gonna say he wasn't an actor. He was a stunt. He was the stunt coordinator and the stunt driver for the truck. Um, it, it, because he had to do a lot of, um, I mean, we get, so we get very interesting shots of these car, of the car, of the Valiant, Dennis Weaver's car, and of the truck, and Spielberg utilized a lot of different techniques to keep everything feeling fresh. And like, fast. Yes. Like he used a camera that they had invented for the movie Bullet with Steve McQueen. Right. That sits six inches above the ground as you're traveling. And so you can look up at the wheels as they're spinning. And right. then you put in some sound effects, some sound effects, and it looks like you're going 100 miles an hour even though they weren't. Right. And then he would utilize um, making sure that when they shut the truck or the car that there was... Um, mountainsides or hillsides in the background so it kind of looks like you're going by by it looks like you're going by faster and if you ever notice that on the highway if you look out the window and you're looking at nothing you could be going 70 miles an hour and it looks like you're going 30 yeah but then but if you put like if you are right near the side of a a mountain or a hillside looks like you're zipping by yeah or a bunch of trees yeah so um he utilized a lot of different techniques like you said to keep things fast to keep things fresh so you're not just watching you know a truck chase a car yeah i mean that could i mean in somebody else's hands that could probably get pretty tedious and monotonous repetitive and just like enough yeah yeah (laughs) but he utilizes all these different shots different shots different angles plus we get we get breaks from the um the on the road action um most notably um 
you know, after after the truck has motioned him into oncoming traffic, uh, the truck starts chasing him uh, to the point where he has to, uh, yeah, he he's got he's a, he crash maxing out his car, yeah, and his he engine. almost crashes into a like a fence, and then we get the diner scene and we get this beautiful shot. We follow him. Like stumbling out of his car, this old man asks him if he's okay. You see, like he's like you could see that his armpit stains mm-hmm. from all the sweat, mm-hmm. and we follow him into the bathroom. Yeah, but we have this long Restroom. tracking shot of him walking into the diner, asking where the bathroom is, going into the bathroom, washing his face, and then walking back and sitting down. It's all one shot. All one shot, and it's beautiful. One take, yeah. And then I just thought of this. But this just kind of adds into this guy's kind of milk toast attitude, the kind of like generic person that he is. Do you remember what he orders? It's a cheese sandwich on a Wonder one, Bread, probably on a in a glass of water in a glass. It's such yeah, it's such yeah, a boor- yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like the, it's yeah. like to drive it home. Like yeah. that's the most boring order I yeah. ever heard. Like the way like if I was I I always joke with you is like I'd never be able to do weight wait service because i'd never be able to remember orders and i'd have to write everything down like that if everyone ordered cheese sandwiches and water i that's an order i can handle but that just... and i mentioned a famous scene uh uh in five easy pieces with jack nicholson where he tries to order a cheese sandwich and she's like we don't have that on the menu so he's like i'll take the ham and cheese without the ha-. like it's a big it's a big yeah. uh, eruption that he has in this diner uh, so it reminds me of that a little and bit. speaking of jack nicholson cheese sandwiches i mean in real life, Jack Nicholson hates cheese sandwiches. In fact, it's his least favorite food of all time. Okay. And he said that um, uh, during the making of The Shining, that's all he would eat to kind of get into the mindset. Nasty. To be nasty. Yeah. Well, if yeah. you think about it, it, what would make something somebody more nastier and, and lose it psychologically if they were eating eat the, the same your, thing that they that they hate? Just imagine your least favorite food. Liver. Okay, yeah. so imagine that you had to eat liver and onions yeah. every oh, day. I'd, I'd would... start getting pretty grim. Right, yep. exactly. Yep. So we've got a guy ordering a cheese sandwich and water, but he looks out the window before his cheese sandwich can arrive, and we see the truck. He's sitting the there. Tr- yeah. And it's empty, which means the dude is in the cafe. And not only that, the truck passed by after he turned off to the road and crashed. So it's come back. It, this guy is, yeah. Hunting him down. Yes, we've got a cat and mouse, and yeah. we've got the ki- the cat's just toying with him now. Yeah, and so we get this inner monologue again. We get him looking around the diner, and he's checking, you know, he's looking, looking at the boots. Yeah, checking out the boots. But more than one pair looks like that pair. Yeah, I mean this this is driver. I mean, obviously, with all the license plates, he's racked up. You know, he knows what he's doing at this yeah. point. He knows how to play this game. Yeah, and uh, so he's got like. The most generic boots, like, I mean, he, like, I mean, unless you've got something fancy, like, these boots kind of, like, look all the same. they do. They're like cowboy boots. Yeah, they're just basically, yeah, yeah, work boots, cowboy boots, you know, Midwest kind of uh, feel to it. But he thinks he finds out, uh, he thinks he knows who the, uh, the driver is, and he approaches this guy very timidly, you know, he's, uh, he's kind of mustering up all his courage here to, like, he's like, Okay, and you know, you could just, the way that his body language is and yeah. the inner monologue, you yeah. know he doesn't want to do this. Yeah, his inner monologue like, is like, I have to do this. I'm going to have to do this. i got to like, confront this guy. 
He's like, yeah. you know, because he realizes at this point, this isn't a game. Like, this guy's for real. Yeah. But My like, life is on the line. But even, it, but instead of going up to someone and saying, like, like you better knock it off or, like, you and I, like, we're going to throw down. He walks up and he's just like, you know, I think he kind of, like, he's like, I don't well, know what I did. Says, something like, I don't know if he, I pissed he, you off. You're right, right. But he says a line that he was famous for saying, I think, over and over again in Touch of Evil by Orson Welles, which is a movie that he was in and, and got a lot of credit for and got a lot of acclaim for uh, as a character actor. And the line is, uh, you've, got, you've got another thing coming. <laughs> so it. he says that in Duel right. to this guy. Yeah, something to the effect of, if you're going to you know, screw around with me this way, well, you've got another thing coming. And the guy, yeah. And the guy's like, what are you talking about? He's eating. He's he's eating a, a hoagie in one hand and drinking a beer in the other hand. Yeah. Yeah. And the guy's just like, well, yeah, knock what off? Like, what are you talking about? So either this is actually and it escalates. Yeah. And um, he gets and Dennis Weaver gets kicked out. Mister Man gets kicked out. Yeah. Well, he one of the he gets punched out. I think. Well, yeah. Or and shoved ki- out. and kicked out. And sh- yeah, he gets shoved down. Yeah. And like, um, he's just defeated at this point. Yeah. Um, it's sad. It's pathetic. It is pathetic. And but we get to see him, you know, throughout the course of this movie kinda like man up, I guess. Put on it's time to put on your big boy pants. Yeah. Um but then we get a series of, of um of the cat and mouse kind of game going on. Um one of the and this is actually the part of the movie that uh the most new footage was added. We get one scene with the school bus. Yeah. Um, where he, uh, school bus has stopped at the side of the road, um, and he pulls over to, to help, um, but then he sees down the road, the truck is just, like, looming there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So he's way... telling the children to get out of the street, and the bus driver is saying, no, 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 play, play yeah, the he's street, like, everything's he's like, fine. He, but well, this truck is right there in this tunnel. Yeah. And looking he, at them and, and he, revving his engine, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, th- this was an added scene that was added for the theatrical release. But it was just, I mean, it, yeah, everyone else, and it's because it's this guy's so riddled with anxiety at this point, yeah, and fear yeah. that you know he's looking at the truck looming and he thinks that this truck at any moment is going to mow all these kids down. Yeah, and he's stuck on the back of the bus because he's trying to push the bus which isn't starting, and he gets stuck. His bumper gets stuck with the trucks, with the bus's bumper. Right. And he can't move it. So, so they're stuck. You right. Know, they're, they're, they're sitting prey. They're sitting ducks. Right. So, yes, I, I, we should mention, he doesn't see the truck initially when he pulls over to help the bus. No. And that's probably... And once again, the truck has come back. Right. The yeah. truck is waiting for him. Yeah. Yeah, the truck has made a U-turn and is waiting. He's like, you yeah. know, all right, you're going to pull over and wait? I can pull over and wait. Yeah. That's fine. We could play this game all day. Uh-huh. I don't have an appointment to make. You do. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, so that's the reason that he pulls over, because it wouldn't make much sense if he had seen the truck that he would pull over. He would keep going. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you said, he gets stuck. And he even calls it. He's like, I'm going to get stuck under your yeah. <laughs> I think he says that. And this poor guy, he's trying to push the tr- the bus around. All the kids are piled into the back of the bus, pointing. Making faces Yeah, they've got their yeah. noses all pressed up against the glass <laughs> and, like, st- spitting out their tongues and, you know. And then he ends up, um, one of them has to jump on the 
foot of the car to get yep. it un un yep push it down like jumping up and yeah. down until it pushes down and off yeah but the bus driver the whole time doesn't understand why this guy's acting so frantic and paranoid mm-hmm. he's like yeah so what mm-hmm. it's a truck mm-hmm. and the guy's you know he doesn't understand because he's not the one being hunted you know mm-hmm. this truck driver isn't, isn't concerned with anyone else nope. really just him no. Yeah, that's the thing. It seems like this once this this driver gets his uh, his uh, sights on you, his hooks into you, it's you and nothing else. He doesn't he doesn't care. Um, because I don't think there's anything scarier than that. No, because then everyone else, when they see that this is a truly scary situation, but the 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 you know the the predator is not interested in them. It's interested in this one person. They're just going to leave the situation alone. They're going to go away. Which happens with the elderly couple. That's right. That's um, right. It happens with everyone, basically. Yeah. yeah. In one way or another. Um, They're just leaving them to their own devices. Yeah, the closest, I guess, we get to someone else being in danger is... Um, so we, we did the school bus scene. Um, I think next there's a scene where he thinks he lost the, the truck, so he pulls over to take, like, a... Just, like, a rest at a... No, it's the railroad stop. Yep. Um, well, he falls asleep at the train at the train stop at yep. the train tracks and trains going by. He wakes up and it's all peaceful. He hears birds chirping, and then all of a sudden, there's the truck behind him trying to push him into the oncoming train. Yeah. And he barely, he just barely, by the skin of his teeth, gets away. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, we, we talked, we debated whether or not there's a supernatural aspect to this because the truck, it just shows up sometimes. Mm-hmm. It always seems to know. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like well, it's got a, 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 it's got like a Lojack or a GPS on this guy's Valiant. Like right. He knows exactly. Tracking device. Yeah. Well, and it's also around this time, time where other like uh, vehicular horror movies Basically, the car comes to mind with, um, I always forget his name. It's Barbara Streisand's husband. Uh, he was an actor that was popular in the 70s and in the 80s. He did a hotel in the movie, I mean the TV show. But uh, the car is, in that movie, it's basically Satan at the wheel. You okay. Know? There's also another movie called The Hearse with a hearse that keeps showing up. Even in the movie Burnt Offerings, there's a hearse that plays a very prominent role and the chauffeur of that hearse. Uh, that is very scary. So this is kind of like uh, a thing that was going on at that time in movies. But I think Duel probably started it. Probably. Yeah. yeah. The, then, the car wasn't until 1977. Okay. Yeah. And then in the early 80s, we had Christine, the Christine, Stephen King movie. That's right. Um, that's right. There's been a lot of, yeah, there's been there's been several killer movies. Mm-hmm. And um, there's also The been, Hitcher. Right, right. But that was uh, that's yeah, more we, human oriented though. Yeah, it's more R- Rutger Hauer. Rutger Hauer doing what he does best, intimidating the hell out of people. Yeah. Although uh, we do have a um, a surprise Rutger Hauer movie coming up on our show, the uh, where he plays a, a very kind of uncharacteristic for him. He's the hero. He's the protagonist. That's Blind Fury. So that's stay tuned. Be a fun one. For, stay tuned for that coming up in the next couple weeks. But um. Yeah, so we've got we've got this truck from hell, and that's basically, I think that, in in the novella, um, he walks by the truck at some point, and I think it says Keller. That's right, which is apparently the 
truck driver's name. This isn't in the movie at all. No. But of course, Keller, you know, is one letter away from being killer. Killer. So, so we, more, yeah. More I, play on words here. So I think, it, yeah, and, and Spielberg kind of took, if anything, he always, he, if, if there's any supernatural element to it, which I think is all, it, it, it's coming from Spielberg, not from Matheson. And I, you don't, I, you think? I, I don't so. know. Matheson does a good job at making inanimate objects seem evil. I did read Hell House, which was the basis for the legend of Hell House. Right. Uh, and in that in that story, the house is truly evil. And yeah, um, but I'm just thinking Spielberg is quoted as saying that he always viewed the truck as a, a Toho monster. Uh, Toho monster, the most notable one, of course, being Godzilla. Okay. So he he always saw it kind of. It as, is like a Godzilla. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. As a as a monster, he saw the the truck as a monster. But and we have a we do have a a sample of a dinosaur roar at the beginning, which I mean at the ending, which mm-hmm. we'll get into. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But um. So I yeah. The, it's kind of unknown. Um. I haven't read the novella. I'm I'm kind of interested to read it. But uh, yeah, a lot of uh, Matheson's work does deal with uh, kind of one man against the world or one man up against something, most notably in um, The Last Man on Earth or okay. Omega oh, Man right. he or wrote that. Right. I Am Legend That's from right. Will Smith. Yeah, he wrote, and we started watching a little bit of The the, the Last Man on Earth starring Vincent Price. Um uh, which which is, was interesting. It's it it's very interesting, but the um we're getting a little off topic, but the the adaptations kind of evolved from there. Um, the Vincent Price one, it's very clear that these these the the creatures are vampires. Um, I'm not sure what they are in Omega Man, but in I Am Legend, there's some sort of mutant zombie kind of thing. Well, that's what they are in Omega Man too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but it, I guess in the original book. Uh, the Last Man on Earth being the most faithful to the original book, they're kind of they walk like the Night of the Living Dead zombies, right? But so, they are vampires. Yeah. So we got something interesting going on there. But yeah, both Matheson and Spielberg um, that you got, have to ward off with garlic. I just have to say that I he's got wreaths of garlic have, on his door, and, and, and he stakes he's staking all of them. That's We're, right, with this, a wooden stake. That. We are talking, of course, about the last man on earth yeah, and not sorry, sorry. Duel. But <laughs> <laughs> let's get back to Duel. Um, but yeah, both Matheson and Spielberg. I mean, I mean Spielberg, E.T., Third Encounter, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, um, that the the terrible, well, not the terrible, but the least best Indiana Jones movie. Dealt. Crystal Skull deals with aliens. So Does it? yeah, yeah, that's okay. what the Crystal Skull is. It's okay. an alien. Okay. Um, that's completely uh, besides the point. So <laughs> but, no, but why are you bringing this up? Because of the supernatural. Because of the supernatural, it, it could have come. It could have come from Spielberg. It could have come from Matheson. Well, it could have been a combination. I mean, that's the thing with Duel, and I think also with Sugarland Express afterwards, where everything was very slice of life, very based in reality, firmly based in reality. So we're not dealing with the extraordinary, right? Except for the plot itself sure you know but he i mean it's 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 not your typical spielberg movie um duel or sugarland express these are no. very 70s flicks you know in their in their aesthetic right and i think that um 
I mean, the the biggest comparison that I can make is that basically, Duel is was kind of a precursor for what Jaws yes, was. Sure. Well, the one of the posters that we found for Duel was um, like Jaws, right? It's where it's a truck and Dennis Weaver instead of a naked woman and and the yeah, shark. Yeah, instead of the girl. Yeah, coming it's, up. yeah, instead yeah. of the girl. I think. Um, or is she water skiing? Or she's lounging? No, she's swimming. She's swimming. Yeah, yeah. you got the girl swimming, it's and the then you got sequence. Then you got jaw. You got the shark on the bottom. Yeah, the the dual poster, which will be, um, it will be included. Um, uh, is will be on our Instagram, Facebook page, and um, our Twitter. Uh, it is a great. Uh, I I'm not sure. This might be a fan poster because I know it wasn't actually. Either that or it was I mean, one they for, wouldn't have used that pre-Jaws. No, no, they wouldn't have known right. to use it. So. Right. But it's a, it's a great poster. But yeah, instead of the shark, we have the truck. And instead of the girl swimming, we've got the red Plymouth Valley. That's right. It's, it's a great... That's um, right. With the but, beige desert in the background instead of the ocean. But um, yeah, so, I mean, Spielberg utilized the, the, the kind of thought that whatever... The unseen is probably more scary than what you see. Well, like, I definitely think so. Right. Yeah, and, we did talk about this. Yeah. And if you don't know who your um, who your terrorist is. I mean, I don't. I, I, I want to use a different word than terrorist, but I mean, seriously, if someone's your terrorized, your your enemy, your nemesis, yeah, someone who's after you, and you don't know who that person really is, you don't know why this person is doing it. Maybe it's more with more than one person. I mean, it's just really, you know, you can unravel right. with something I like mean, that. I mean, and it's interesting. I mean, there's no there's no motivation. We don't have any motivation here for the truck or the driver. And a shark, I mean, unfortunately. A shark is, eats people. Because it eats. That's, that's yeah, just, it's bloodthirsty. That's just its natural instinct. Yeah. I yeah. mean. But here, I mean, here you're you're kind of. Beg to ask the question, well, what part of human nature's instinct, natural instinct, is to prey on another human being? Right. I mean, there is, there is this going on. There is, this is actually, and we didn't talk about this, like this is a good thing to bring up right now. Right. Yeah. Because there is. I mean, just think about children in playgrounds, you know. And sure. You, it can get you get really... a bully picking on the, you know, right. you, you get, you know. It's the ultimate bully movie, really. Duel is. It is. It really it is. is. It is. It is. Yeah. Now, I wonder that if, if we don't see it, but I wonder, that, though, if this guy, the driver, I'm assuming it's a male. I mean, it was performed by a man. It was a male. So we'll just, for the sake of the unnamed guy that wants to kill this character. It's got to be a dude. Come yeah. on. Okay. Right. Well, <laughs> I mean, come safe on. to say. Yeah. But anyway, I'm just wondering that if he kind And especially of... with a masculinity issue going on. Sure. Here. Yeah. I mean, we've Go got... Um, yeah. Well, we got uh, David and Goliath. Yeah, that's, got... We certainly do. Um, yeah. And this Goliath, I wonder if he kind of sized up Dennis Weaver's character at the gas station. And maybe he was eavesdropping on this phone call and said, "This guy, oh, <laughs> well, this be. guy, I can. could be." But this I, I still, one. I still kind of prefer the randomness of it. Sure, just seeing him on site, being like, "Look at this skinny, dweeby little guy. 
he's my next victim. Yeah. Yeah. Look at his plumage yeah. value. Yeah. What does he think yeah. he is? Yeah. Is he, right. he's a, is he a traveling salesman? He's got to be a traveling salesman. Let's oh, get he's got this. a wife and kids. Even more of a reason yeah. to kill him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean. Yeah. And then you get into kind of the whole terrorizing of the family unit dynamic in, sure. in, in uh, 20th century America. Right. You know, what that's all about. So this is definitely throwing a huge Molotov cocktail into that. Yeah, it's very interesting. I guess European audi- audiences were... They really keyed into that, even yeah. though Spielberg was like, that wasn't my intention. Right. Yeah, um, Yeah, because we've got that, and then we've got the previous um, news radio conversation mm-hmm. about the head of household. So maybe the Europeans were, t- were tuned into something that... Uh, yeah, they, they see us, you know, for what we are a lot of the time <laughs> we can't really see it working yeah. here in america living our lives no yeah we're kind of we, it's interesting to see what yeah the, uh, an outsider uh-huh. an outsider's view of what what they perceive us to be yeah when i backpacked through europe i, I got an earful a lot of oh. what of what americans yeah. you know well, I just I think it's almost a joke at this point that the French just think we're the oh, we're they hate, they hate uh, uncivilized they hate, swine. They hate us. They hate us. Um, but uh, I don't know where I'm going. With that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. We can um, just we can switch gears. Yeah. Uh, so so from the TV release to the theatrical release, um, there was okay. So. So the the Nielsen ratings were very high through the roof. Yeah, probably for the TV one, yeah. version when when it was aired, and, and I should I should also mention that this is the same year in '71 that "Don't Be Afraid of the Dark" was uh, aired on television on Halloween, which is a good cult movie we should do sometime. Uh, that scared the shit out of kids. Totally scared that to to the extent that parents called the TV stations. And said, this is way too scary to have on TV, you know? Right. So, you know, two movies during that year that aired on primetime television that were almost too scary to air. Right. And we, it's, I mean, it's somewhat lost on me, even, you know, but I still remember you know, how important the Nielsen ratings were with TV shows and stuff. I don't but believe I could, them. I think they're lies. But anyway, I mean, <laughs> how the, do you do that? You really do you, don't. You have to have a Nielsen box, don't you? And certain select families have the Nielsen box. There was box. a box at some point, but, like, back in the 70s, it was like a notebook. Like, they would just, <laughs> like, they would have you check off. Because you got to figure, this is not, this is a time where cable TV is probably at its infancy. So yeah. you probably got your... Your dish. You'd have to have a satellite dish. You'd either have a satellite dish yeah. or you got the old school... TV with the the rabbit years, yep. and you're picking up what four or five, half a dozen channels, maybe. Yeah, yeah. if you're not on the U, what is it, the UFF? UHF, UHF, yeah, right. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, the, like, it, it, to be a TV movie of the week nowadays is like nothing because Lifetime pumps out a movie of the week. Yeah, well, every week, but I mean. My point is that <laughs> at the at, at 1971, to be the ABC movie of the week and to get the r- reviews in the audience that Spielberg got, I mean... It catapulted him. I mean, once, Out of television, he got the job from a Columbo episode, basically. Right. Um, but he had been doing TV. He had done... Uh, he had done... Night Sterling's Gallery. Night, Night Gallery with right. Joan Crawford. About the blind blind woman who gets her sight back only, only to experience the blackout in New York City. Right, right, yeah. right. So, but Duel was it. Like, it, it blew things through the roof for him, his tra- trajectory. And they let him film those additional scenes and right. then released it in Europe as a thea- theatrical release. I mean, what's the la- I mean, I, 
I'm sure if I thought hard enough, I could think of a, 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 a TV movie that got a theatrical release, but... I, mean, I can't. I mean, I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are, but th- this is, I mean, this was like... Unprecedented. Unprecedented. Yeah. Yeah. This, the, and it, yeah. I mean, this allowed this allowed Spielberg to become Spielberg mm-hmm. uh, a, as we know him now. Mm-hmm. At the time, people didn't know no. Sp- the well, name Steven it, Spielberg. Yeah, and I mean, I guess what was... Uh, Close Encounters, was that 77, 78? Yeah. 77, 78, because it was around the same time as Star Wars. So then we had Sugarland Express was next after Duel, mm-hmm. I believe. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a movie movie, not made for TV. Right. Goldie Hawn's in it, And I, I don't think. think that did very well. And then... Okay. But Close Encounters, of course, was a huge, huge hit. Right. Yeah. And then Jaws Right. And well, Jaws came before that. Okay. Jaws, I think, okay. was 75. Right. So Jaws did it for him, big time. Right. That was. But, they say that they didn't use the, ter- the the term blockbuster for movies until Jaws came along. That's, that's true. Not, that's not really true, though. Because no, they talk it's about not. blockbuster movies in Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. They do. Yeah. yeah the, but the, Jaws was like these. This was like when these summer movies were like, oh Huge. my God. Yeah. yeah like, everybody went popcorn, popcorn. Yeah. And Jaws scared people off the beach. Scared me off the beach. Yeah. Scared me out of pools. Yeah. I, I, and my young adolescent mind was somehow convinced that a shark was going to come through this filtration system and eat, <laughs> and eat me in a pool. That's how that's how effective Jaws was. I mean. Uh, this is going to be a baby shark coming up through the toilet. Something, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, but yeah. Duel, Duel has the same concept as Jaws. It in, does. In that respect. Right. It can scare you off of the highway. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, I mean, uh, and, and that's what the simplicity, I mean, and that's that's why I like the simplicity of this. Yes. Not knowing. I mean, they even gave, they gave Jaws fucking motivation in some of the sequels. I think of the fourth one, that shark follows them to freaking Hawaii. <laughs> like, how does a shark know to, like, ah, you ah, don't need. That's a shark with a plan. <laughs> right. A vendetta. But, like, in Michael Myers, like, like all this, even, like, not just the Rob Zombie, but all the sequels, except for the most recent ones, um, they kept trying to give motivation oh, to Michael bullshit. Myers. It's bullshit. It, it, it's unnecessary. Now, didn't you say also that Richard Matheson penned Jaws 3? Am I right? He did. Right. Yes. So that we need to kind of bring that up and not talk about it. Well, that's not the that's not the that's uh that's the SeaWorld one. So I can kind of see like the the sharks just looking for food and I mean if you it's kind of like SeaWorld would I guess would be kind of a buffet for a shark. Sure. Right? Right. I mean, so yeah. he gets a pass for that. I think it's Jaws 4 where this shark follows them from like the east coast down to Hawaii. That that's just absurd. And somehow they got Michael Caine involved. Oh, in that he's nonsense. the one in that. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> he was doing everything at that point. Yeah. Anything and everything. Poor someone Caine. Yeah, I was working at a video store and someone said he, he's like in danger of becoming the next um, Rod Steiger <laughs> or even John Lithgow. He was doing anything and everything at that time. But yeah, um, so anyway, yeah, back to I mean, goal. yeah, you don't need the motivation, and like you said, and uh, not knowing is scarier. I oh, mean, yeah. not knowing, like I said, I think Richard Matheson tapped into that. He didn't know why this truck, the truck tailgated him, um, but and then, but it just spurred an idea in his mind, and he said that he got a, a, a pen and paper and wrote down the uh, idea of driver person chased by truck driver. I think is all he wrote something right. to that. Yeah. That regard. So, um, 
but we got, yeah, and, and and then it all leads up to this, this showdown. Um, and Spielberg has, has, uh, at one point was quoted as saying that Duel was kind of high noon on wheels, which I could see. Yeah, sure, um, like a western. Yeah, and but I mean, it's more. I mean, we get the scene. I mean, it's set in the West anyway, but we get um, a scene where he's, uh, before the final showdown, he pulls into this, this roadside attraction um, where the lady warns him for the second time that his radiator hose, he, he's like, he, that's a, it's a little seed that's planted from the very first stop at the gas station. The guy says something about his radiator hose. And then when he stops at this roadside attraction, where she says, "Check out my snakes." Mm-hmm. Well, it's into, I'm, I mean, are there phallic implications with the radiator hose and with the snakes? Like, you know, once again, talking about masculinity and loss of that or threatening masculinity. It could, it could be. Could be. I mean, I'm just throwing things yeah, you know, at the I, wall to see what sticks. But I, I'm not sure. I think. But radiator hose. I mean, it could be anything else, you know. But it has to be like a hose. I'm just saying. Uh. <laughs> But um, the subliminals, the subliminals. Yeah, Go I don't on. know how much Spielberg was thinking about that. Um, yeah. I think he was just—you never know. You yeah. never know. He, yeah. he, if if he was, he was well, or it could have been Matheson. It was probably in the uh, you know right in the because story the, in the original novel. the radiator busting at the towards the end of the movie is a because that's the only time that he's actually out driving the car, the right. truck. The tr- they're going uphill. The truck actually doesn't have enough chutzpah or yeah. mojo to make it up that hill as fast as Mr. Man. Right. And Mr. Man is getting all excited. Yeah, I'm getting rid of him. And then the radiator hose busts. And then and it's he's, all... Yeah. yeah. But prior... Well, then they start going downhill, and then we go downhill right into the ending. Right. Down into hell, basically. But... um. But at the um, the roadside attraction, he tries to call the police, and we probably get the best stunt of the movie. Yeah, which he did himself. Um, yeah, Dennis Weaver. We should mention not only is his acting impeccable in this movie; he's great. excellent. He because he's got he's carrying this entire movie. He's his, like the it's he, yeah. And to watch him, I was I know I'm interrupting you a lot. I'm no, sorry. It's fine. I to watch his earlier stuff, uh, like in Touch of Evil or the Twilight Zone episode, you know. When he was younger, he's very um, big in his characterizations, you know? Yeah, that clip from Touch of Evil. Yeah, yeah, right? He's really... Kind of almost over the top. Yeah, I was going to say, he's... And so this is a total juxtaposition here that he's got with Duel. It's the total opposite. Very subdued. Extremely subtle. Yeah. Extremely. But, um... It's wonderful work. Yes. And we were talking about, because Spielberg... They were. They wondered if they should bring him on to direct because they didn't think that he was so good working with actors. Right. So probably in Duel, that was all, if not most, uh, Dennis Weaver's work coming out. And it's extremely nuanced and multi-layered and nuanced. Well, he was such a seasoned pro that he pretty much, he probably just knew yeah. what to do with the character. Yeah. You know? Sure. They, um, I think they wanted um, Gregory Peck... So it turned out to be Dennis Weaver instead. You okay. Know, but I think Dennis Weaver gave a, a an excellent, excellent performance. And I think uh, uh, Dennis Weaver was also probably, he was also well known for Gunsmoke, I believe. 
So he also oh, was had, he? he had the background in, 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 in westerns there. Okay. Um, He's done a lot of TV. He did he, a lot of TV. Yeah. And um yeah, it was a big TV name, so it was it was big for him. But um he also did a lot of his own driving. Which wow. um a lot of you know, I mean some of these scenes Unfortunately, we we'll never be able to do justice to describing some of these shots. Um, it's just it's such an experience, and it's an adrenaline rush kind of movie. It really is. It feels like you know. I mean, the way it's filmed, you feel like sometimes you feel like you're in the car with Dennis Weaver. Sometimes you feel like you're a third ghost car, like kind of observing this chase going a voyeur. on. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, but it's just so well shot, and Spielberg. You're is, never in the truck. Never. No, 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 no. I was gonna say, <laughs> yeah. like I said, you're either with Dennis Weaver, or, or you're watching as or outsider. you're watching him. Yeah, and it, it's it's an even split. Um, we're with Dennis Weaver. Uh, most the scene that really, I mean, we've got the scenes where he's in the car, l- turning around, looking over his shoulder, or looking into the rearview mirror and talking. Well, not talking to himself, but having an inner monologue. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the scenes where really with him in in the cafe, like that long tracking shot. Yeah, we're with him. But then there's other scenes where we're yeah we're a voyeur, we're a third omniscient eye, um, like kind of at the roadside attraction where we see him. A split second before the truck barrels through this phone booth, yeah, he jumped out and he did his own stunt. And they, I guess they, what they said is they had a the moment of no return where this the truck driver, the stunt truck driver knew that if he didn't get out of the phone booth, like at well, a, right, they had flags or something. It's yeah, like there was a mark, the third yeah. flag or the third marker to veer off to the left and yeah. not run. Down, <laughs> right down, Dennis Weaver, and it's an amazing shot. Yeah. I mean, I mean, and you feel that you feel that panic, right? Uh, when he jumps out of the phone booth, and this is the closest I guess we come to the truck interacting with another potential victim. I mean, because who knows uh, if that lady would have ended up being a, a, a potential victim mm-hmm. after Dennis Weaver. Um, but once again, it's almost like the driver does not want to include anybody else in this no. at all. Does no interest in no. killing anybody else. But he has except it, his particular target. Thing. Yeah, target. He's, he's got uh, what do they call blinders on? Like, yeah, that's it. Tunnel that, vision. Tu- yeah, yeah, that's it. That this is this is the guy he's got to go for whatever reason. Right. Um, and then we get um, he's the victim du jour. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then we 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 see this. I mean, and and then I wanted to bring this up. You, you, he almost seems like this driver has made him seem great, like to outsiders, because they don't know what's going on. He seems like a crazy person, right? The elderly couple. Yeah. Well, that Spielberg uses again in Close Encounters. Yeah. Well, we get the scene in the cafe. The people are all like everyone that's not the truck driver are all looking at this guy, going, "What is this?" Yeah, what's wrong with him? He just came instead of wanting to help him. Because that's that's what it's like. Because we kind of well, we get the sense because the I, the chef comes out of the kitchen and says like, "Oh, I'm gonna re- I'll replace your sandwich." So we get the the fact that basically to an outsider, this stranger comes in drenched in sweat, orders a cheese sandwich, and then comes up to one of the locals who probably eats lunch there three or four times a week. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's just like he's just like a stranger shows up starts spouting this nonsense about 
our good old boy. We, I, I forget the character's name, but like, oh, that's that's just Charlie. Why is he picking on Charlie? I mean, leave <laughs> yeah. him, leave him alone. He's guy's drinking his berry and his hoagie. Yeah, you know this guy's this guy's nuts. Yeah, <laughs> that's why he gets thrown out because this driver has made him seem nuts. Yep, and then he seems nuts. To the um the elderly the, couple yeah the elderly yeah. couple he starts saying any he starts go, going off the rails yeah he's like anything just let me just drive me to the nearest police station anything just please you gotta help me you gotta help me and that's when he starts to unravel right yeah there. because he goes from uh can you go call the police to take me to the police mm-hmm. to like just take me anywhere mm-hmm. so and like in the span of less than 30 seconds mm-hmm. so like to this elderly couple like okay this guy just escaped from the loony bin mm-hmm. and <laughs> but but i mean the you know the the final thing that happens in that scene is that the truck now starts barreling towards them and the elderly couple just backs off and goes the other direction right. yeah they're like okay whatever this is we don't want to get involved once again no exactly yeah, yeah they're just yeah. like yep Okay, yeah, good luck, off. you two. Right. <laughs> yeah. This is a lover spec on horribly horribly long. <laughs> Who knows what the hell's going on? Yeah, they want no part of it. And but it's, then... it's become a real duel, even it though has. even though the odds are completely uh, unequal. Yes. Yeah. Um, we got the final duel. We got the showdown here. He finally gets ahead of the uh, of the truck. Are we ready for that? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. I mean, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're ready for that. Okay. Um. And I mean, because there's there's some interest. Uh, it, this is the ultimate duel. We got the head on. We've got the knights jousting almost yeah. kind of thing. We got um, yeah. the truck. So has, Lancelot it, and, and whoever else. Yeah, go ahead. Right. Um, the Green Knight. Was it? <laughs> okay. I think so. Um, so we got the truck. It is kind of got him pinned against a cliff. Yeah. Um, and he's turned his car around. But may not know that it's a cliff, because it's kind of deceptive. It, yeah. It's this, actually a gate that's broken through. Right. This is the first time that um, Dennis Weaver has got the, 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 the leg up on the driver. Like, the only time that he's got the leg up. Well, he figures out that this could work. Yeah. And he comes up with a plan. Yes. Yeah. A and his plan. devious little plan. And then we... Um, what I think is a, an interesting bit of symbolism, either intentional or unintentional, is that we've got we've got Mr. Man's suit briefcase. His briefcase, yes, is is what used he uses. Go ahead to pin down the the um the driving pedal. Yeah, right. The gas. The gas. He's got the gas pinned down with his briefcase. So this is like the symbolic. The old Mr. Man is leaving. Yeah. Um. He's he's. he's He's done driving it off, a, driving him off a cliff. Right. Yeah. So we got persona because we do like, and I think it's intentional because Brilliant. we get the camera pull. We get a close up of his name engraved on this briefcase. Oh yeah. Case. Oh yeah. Absolutely. The symbolism so, is quite clear. So we've got. Um, so he's the car starts headed straight for the truck. The truck's headed for the car. Truck doesn't know that the. That is, once it goes a, through the car, it's going right off a cliff. Right. It doesn't know. And the car conveniently bursts into flames when he smashes into it, so he really can't see right. The so car. the smoke and is... you do actually have a moment in the in the truck looking out at the car at the flames there. Yeah, at that moment, I think it's we... the only time you're in the well. Yeah, I think there might be a one or two shots, but we're never we're it's we never last long in the cab of the truck. I think there might be one or two when the when they're following you, but you know okay. you you're de- there definitely is the shot where we see the. 
the cars burst into flames. The smoke is, bl- uh, you know, blinding, blinding this driver. Yeah. Which, I mean, and the fact that, okay, so let's talk about this last shot of this truck going over the cliff is it's absolute amazing. Cinematic and genius. I think that Spielberg had seven cameras set up. Yep. Six or seven cameras. Seven. But he only used one because this one camera operator captures the whole everything. thing. The everything. whole thing. And they only had they. This was a one. And and the reason he had said seven cameras set up is because they only had one one shot to do this. One this, take. This this was it. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. we gotta get it or that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we follow and the the the, the it slowed down, but we see the truck. Take the car over the cliff, and they just careen into this cavern. Yeah. Um, and then just when you think it's dust and dirt, du- du- huge... all you see is a huge dust cloud. Yeah. You think that's it, and then you see the tanker of the yeah. of the truck, kind of, and that's when we get the dinosaur roar. That's right. And the Which... tanker, of the yeah, go on. No, um, I love the, it. the dinosaur roar was taken from the movie The Land of the Unknown, and it's the same roar that's used when they, sh- um, when Reuter Scheider says, Smile, you son of a bitch. In Jaws. Yeah. And then shoots the, um, and shoots the, the um, what is it, an oxygen, some sort of tank. It, but we got another tank exploding. Yeah. But we got the tank just coming out of this, this, cloud yeah. and slowly falling over like a huge beast yes. that's dying it's, it's incredible it's yes. an incredible incredible shot it is um and this was the the biggest i guess the biggest difference from the from the novella and and the movie is that um in the novella um it uh, the truck explodes bursts into flames right and Spielberg didn't want to do that. He wanted, um, he wanted to ki- quote qu- kill the monster slowly. He mm-hmm. wanted to see a dying beast instead of an explosion. And you were saying that the they wanted him to reshoot it when they uh, when he did the theatrical version when when they he added scenes. They wanted him to reshoot the ending and have the have it blow up. Right. And he said, if you do that, you can find another director because this is the way I want it to end. I mean that uh, they must have like like and yeah they kept it they kept it no and it's yeah. better it's it more is effective better. um it's I so mean, much see, more effective we always see cars blowing up right. at the end of the I movie. mean it's it, I mean this is so refreshing to see and it really is this huge metal beast yes dying and slowly the, it's it's slowed down to just the perfect rate it's not too slow it's not too fast it's mm-hmm. like you just get to soak in mm-hmm. this amazing and. I mean, again, this goes back. This was all practically done. We're, we're watching an actual truck knock an actual car. And I, I, from what I remembered, the driver of the truck just barely got out mm. in time. To, to, mm. Like, we're what? I mean, and that's something, I mean, that's why I love these old 70s movies. These movies have teeth. Yeah. This is not, I mean, yeah. there is no... Well, it's, it's like, it, it's the... Same year or a year after Bring Me the Head of Garcia Alfredo. You're right. Also has teeth. Right. Yeah. Um, Same type of grit. Right. Actually. It's it's real. You could, yeah. you've, I mean, and um, 
yeah, there's no CGI here. There's Thank you. No, Thank you. There's no over-the-top, like you said, explosions. Thank you. I mean, if this movie, would, uh, first of all, he'd probably do that um, that walk. I mean, that you remember the stereotypical explosion, and you have the good guy walking away from the explosion, <laughs> yeah. not even looking back. It's not even affecting him. Because it's just like he's Because it's cool. a green screen. Something that's like, too cool, like, like the good too guys cool are to... too cool to look back at the explosion. <laughs> yeah. They know the explosion's happening. They're just, they're just right. walking, strutting. Right. So <laughs> we, had, we had like someone like Michael Bay directing this movie. Oh, like no. We'd have a huge explosion. We'd have Dennis Weaver like walking away, like whipping his glasses off. Yeah, right. Like it right. would be someone. It see, would be so on the nose. It, that ending, and that explosion, would have been too on the nose. That's the thing. Also, with Dennis Weaver's character and his portrayal, is that he isn't this like too cool for school dude hero at the end of it all. No. At the very very end of it all, he's sitting down. What is it? What's he picking? He's throwing rocks. He's down. throwing rocks down the cliff. Right. And the sun is setting behind him. And it's a beautiful shot. It's a beautiful, beautiful shot. And he's, you know, he's unraveled. He's won. Yeah. I don't know how he's going to get home now. No. But I mean, you know, he's, there's, he's just sitting with whatever sense of peace has come from this triumph. And it's not, it's not a huge, it's not, it's not a huge thing. No. It's we, not a heroic thing. Well, first of all, we get like two of the, th- two of the seven stages of grief, like, done really quickly because his initial reaction he's jumping up and down yeah he's like a kid at christmas yeah like he just or and he's someone, in disbelief he's running back and forth on yeah the, you know he lip can't of believe cliff. what happened like yeah did i really it's so real it is it's how a real person would act yes uh-huh um I'm, and then and then we get a shot um i, I guess that there was asked to be included uh, but Spielberg shot it of the, we see blood. We know that. Right. And I thought it, on the steering wheel of the truck, you never see the corpse of the driver. No. And I thought I was, was wondering if it was blood or if it was oil dripping right. from the steering wheel. But he said it was blood and he added that to tell the audience that the driver had died. Right. Yeah. I mean, similar to like, we know, we know Jaws, like that, that shark explodes. Yeah. We know that there's no more. Yeah. Um, but like, so I guess not that, like Michael Myers, who comes back and comes back and comes back. back. Right. Yeah. This this there's dude no, is dead. There's it's no real. Too. This is real life. Right. Yeah. Um, so I guess, but the fact that that he the driver is dead doesn't leave credence to my supernatural theory very much. Well, Unless, I um, mean, the overtones could still be there cinematically. Right. Sure. And but we were mentioning that um, that this movie influenced a great deal of kind of like you said movies like the hitcher mm-hmm. uh joyride okay um, i don't know joyride i mentioned maximum overdrive but you said that doesn't really no that's, that's very supernatural that's okay. uh radio uh, not radioactive some sort of cosmic dust that makes every machine come to life not oh wow just, yeah, okay. so cars trucks there's a okay. maximum overdrive is just a completely different beast um joyride which uh involves Three characters and they mess around with this truck driver on on the uh, on the radio. Mm. Um, they pretend to be a girl and like kind of seduce him and like they say. I don't, and, but uh, I also showed Is you that with the guy from the Fast and Furious movies who yeah, yeah, passed yeah. away. Well, I've seen that. I've Paul seen Paul Walker. Um, yeah, yeah. I forget the other guy. And I know that other actor, right? And then the and the, the girl, the girl who looks exactly like a young Helen Hunt. Oh wow! Okay, I don't know. I'm not sure. 
uh, her name. It's on the tip of my tongue. Anyway, she looks exactly like Hel- Helen Hunt. Uh, uh, Sobieski something. Lily oh, Sobieski. Sure. Yeah, that's her. Uh, Joy Wright. And then um, I showed you pictures of the truck from Jeepers Creepers. Yes. That looks exactly. Yeah, and so I'm sure that's an inspiration. Oh, right, yeah. It's got to yeah. be. Yeah. It's got to um, be. It's a total copy, really. It is. Yeah. I mean, it, it. the only thing the Jeepers Creepers thing doesn't have the tanker, but other than that, like the front half of the Jeepers Creepers truck. Looks like that. Right. Yeah, they must um, have been thinking that. And the opening scene of Jeepers Creepers is very reminiscent. I mean, I don't like the movie and i don't recommend the movie mostly because i the writer director is a despicable human being convicted pedophile less said about him i do want to mention the opening scene of jeepers creepers um i did see the jeepers creepers before i found out about the history of him not trying to justify that blah 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 blah. it doesn't really matter the opening shot of jeepers creepers is very very uh ingenious um very reminiscent of something spielberg would do We've got, um, basically, it's a shot of, we, we see uh, a boy and a girl, their brother and sister, talking in the car. They're driving. They're doing a cross-country trip home from college. They're just having a typical brother, uh, uh, brother-sister conversation. It didn't occur to me the, upon the first viewing, but the entire time, they're having about a three- to five-minute conversation. You slowly see this car, oh. this truck pull oh. up behind them. Oh, and it's closer ve- and closer. And, yeah, and then... Oh boy. It, we it turns into a dual esque, um, okay, uh, tailgating situation. But it is a brilliant shot because you don't notice that. I mean, you can go back and watch, and the truck the entire time is slowly pulling up there. You don't see it until it's right there. It mm, is a brilliant shot. Stealth, yeah. <laughs> and that's what we get here with Duel. Like this, this, this thing. There's not is, even so much stealth though. He's just so kind of like balls out about what so, he's doing. But like, the, I mean, but, there is a slow buildup. Yeah. Still, he's we, like, I'm. I've made up my mind. You're. You're. You're my guy. We got an you're apex predator. Yeah. We got a cheetah. We got yeah. um. Yeah, a the, cheetah. Well, it moves fast, right? What? Cheetahs? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. sure, well, sure. A so. cheetah in a huge tanker truck. <laughs> or a lion? I don't know. Um, What's the scariest of the predatorial in the animal kingdom? I don't know. I've heard koala bears are not very nice. Oh, I've heard that, too. <laughs> that they're nasty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, they'll rip your uh, face yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you think they look really... I, I Apparently, Australian wildlife is like... It puts the wild in wildlife, yeah. which reminds me, uh, blindknowledge.com, there is a very interesting show all about Australian animals that I recommend you check out. Oh, cool. But back to Duel. Um, yeah, so we got an apex predator hunting down its prey. Mm-hmm. Um but, out in the uh, wild, out in the desert. Right. Yep. Um, out in the and outback. then we get him finally um, winning. He wins. And it's and once again, it's uh, it's an empty triumph. You right. Know? Because but, it's, but it is it it had to happen that way for him to live. Right. We 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 gone from him jumping up and down to him like kind of just like probably having some sort of like. Huge reflection period on Muggle. Mm-hmm. What just happened? Mm-hmm. And we kind of get. The, I he's think gonna be. He's gonna be in shock. He's, he's gonna while. be in shock. But I also yeah. think that he kind of needed this kick in the ass. I mean, yeah. maybe not as drastically or dramatically, um, but he's never gonna be the same guy again. No, he's not gonna be. No, he's. He'll uh, punch out anyone. That I was gonna tries say to hit on right. his wife. Wife after I was this. gonna say yeah. that. Right. Yeah. Um, 
but we get him kind of kind of just sitting there throwing rocks down at the truck and then like you said you get the that it's a very 70s shot the yeah sun. with the rings around the sun the rays yeah. yeah and i mentioned before that sofia coppola uh recreated that beautifully in virgin suicides right yeah. but there's something i mean it's a very rich shot um because it's it's film. There's something. Yeah. There's, it's very, Thank you. You get more. Thank that. you. It's not flat. I no. think digital cameras. It would have been a very flat shot. But you get, you get some depths. You get yeah. some richness there. Um, but um, yeah, just a couple of things to to mention. Bef- um, the music was done by Billy Goldenberg, uh, which um, we should mention is, is very unique. Um, extremely unique and it uses a lot of percussion and African instruments kind of like out in the wild right and that was a big thing it's like uh, are you going to use music for this and what's it going to be like no 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 this isn't going to be music it's going to be sound it's going to be sound it's going to be industrial Um, that's what Spielberg wanted I think it was Matheson who asked him I mean he goes uh, you can't have a conventional soundtrack for this no Um, but the music I mean and and all the sound design is is on is just Amazing, and it, it, that brings me to a very interesting point. So, from wrapping sh- initial filming, they had three and a half weeks to edit it. To That's e- right, edit it, edit score it. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the editing was Frank going Morris on like in different studios at the same time simultaneously. Five editors yeah. were working on this. Um, Spielberg Frank, was on a bicycle biking back and forth. Yeah, yeah. To one of the most intense scenes, I guess, was created by one of the editors, um, just kind of using different different shots. He kind of just, he created it. Um, so Spielberg was, uh, I mean, he deserves a, a huge amount of credit, but we got to, we got to, I mean. He was he, 21? 22, 23, 22, something. He was very, yeah. Um, but he had a great producer, George Eckstein. He, well, I mean, he loved it. That Dennis Weaver agreed to do it. Um, Dennis Weaver apparently wasn't signed on to do the movie until the night before shooting. Wow. Um, but he had a great editor, a fantastic cinematographer, I mean, to capture some of those shots and to be able to utilize that technology from do, uh, Bullet to yes. read to. Um, That's right. Cut. I guess this, it, I mean, Bullet is well known that it has one of the best car chase scenes in it. And again, this is 70s. These are these are actual cars. This is no, I know you like the Fast and the Furious movies, but I mean. I do. They're a guilty pleasure. Sure. But I mean, <laughs> the things that the, those cars, I mean. It's ridiculous. It actually it's start, ridiculous. I mean, the first couple ones, they're, they're it, they're pretty realistic. It's clever. It is. Yeah, it's but set up at, well. at one point, I I think one of them is swinging on a vine like Tarzan. <laughs> like, we have cars jumping through, driving through buildings. You don't get that here. You get you get cars doing. What I mean, cars what, do? Only what cars can That's do. That's right. We don't get the benefit of having computers help these cars do things that they can't do. So um, yeah, Bullet is just got this incredible. Uh, car chase scene that yeah, the technology was developed solely for that and then used for, for to capture um you know the the cat and mouse game here in duel but um i mean having only 10 days and a handful i mean and then three weeks to wrap i mean that's just yeah uh-huh. and, and, he, and spielberg has said that he I mean, he, he couldn't he, do it now he could never do it now yeah he, he said he 
and this is very interesting. You said he would overthink everything. Because, mm. well, first of all, he would have probably ten times the amount of time and money mm-hmm. to do something like this. Mm-hmm. And um, It's like what David Lynch says. When you've got constraints, you work better. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's some, yeah, well, when we get into Lynch again, we got to talk about some constraints. Um, I, I, uh, but I, he just works. Spielberg had a, a brilliant script here, and we got to give credit to Richard Matheson. Um, yep. like I said, you've probably, I, I Am Legend was a huge hit, so people are familiar with that. Hell House, mm-hmm. um, oh, he's done tons of stuff, yeah, tons um, of stuff. Uh, he did the box, that box one. The box, I mean, yeah, that's the, the Richard button. Kelly movie. We watched the, there's a Twilight Zone episode from the, from the 80s. 80s. Yeah. Um, which is a great adaptation of the box. If you want to see, again, unneeded backstory, watch the Richard Kelly 90 minute plus movie of the box. As he stretches it out. Oh, yeah. It does not. Like need- a piece of gum. Yeah. Um, <laughs> until it's so thin. You can't, yeah, anyway. And, and Matheson is also well-known, uh, speaking of the Twilight Zone, one of the most famous episodes, which was also included in the movie, was is Terror at, I always forget how many feet. But oh, right. It's the episode, it, it was Shatner, originally William Shatner, then Jim Lith- Lithgow, uh-huh. with the, the monster on the side. On the wing of the plane. Which is very, now that I think about it, it's very similar to Duel. Sure. Because he's the only one that sees it. Exactly. Yeah. So he looks like the crazy person. That's just right. like we mentioned in Duel, he looks like the crazy person because this truck has brought out that anxiety in yeah. him. So we got... And I those... mean, how, you know, it's, it's, I used to have a temper. I've gotten it under control, thankfully. But I remember, uh, you know, people would trigger my temper and they would do something pretty awful to do it but i was the one that got in trouble because i overreacted you know right yeah, yeah. so someone knows how to push your button right right yeah. right, right so um one of the things they also added in the theatrical release is when he thinks he sees a cop car and it's actually what is it it's, it's an, an exterminator. exterminator yeah and the name of the company is spielberg backwards, backwards which right. is more than vaguely satanic, and I don't know how you would pronounce that. I can barely pronounce Spielberg. I was going to say, this would be like Gerbers? <laughs> Gerbers? It sounds so, German. Whatever it is, yeah. it's going to sound German, I would think. Yeah. Um, uh, you saw how this could be done. I didn't, but Parker Brothers made a board game out of Duel. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, well, I mean, you know, if you're being chased on the board by a truck... Sure, but I can, I, I can see it would be other, other... But... Was this a multiplayer game? Yeah, anyway, good, good if you're question. interested, I didn't do the research, but if you're still listening to us and uh, Google Parker Brothers Board Game Duel. I wonder if, how much one of those would be now. You know what? Collector's item. I do. This is a, 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 a weird tangent, but I'm going to make this comment. Um, my parents, this always fascinated me. Do you know there was a Godfather board game? <laughs> That actually exists. I know it exists because it was in my parents' basement for years, <laughs> even as a young kid. But like it was like we never played it. It was just one of those things like in the basement. Let's play Godfather tonight. Yeah, so um, <laughs> the family gather I mean, around. <laughs> I mean, if you take nothing away from this this episode, you could tell people that not only is there a Godfather board game, but there is a dual board game. <laughs> so we're just and. Um, but at some point, speaking of board games, at some point I would like to cover Clue. Yeah. 
Um, Which, and they've changed the board game since the old one, I remember. Like, the, the graphics and everything, big time. I know that there's, big like, time. a Clue Jr., okay. which I don't really get, because, yeah. I mean, the whole basis, now I'm thinking about it, is a, it's a very dark basis for a game. Clue? Yeah, murder. Yeah. done it? There's also, post-movie, there's a play of Clue that my friend actually did. Really? Yeah, okay. yeah, he played the Tim Curry role, the butler. Uh-huh. So it, it was adapted a, to a play as well. I, I, again, we were talking about this. Uh, the idea of adapting Clue is the movie is better than it probably has any right to be. It's and fun. on the flip side... A lot of it is the cast. Well, tr- they, it's brilliantly <laughs> yeah. cast. The script is great, but yeah, Tim Curry. I yeah. Mean, well, and all of them. Madeline Kahn and Eileen Brennan and Christopher Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd's yeah, in it, right? Yeah. That's right. Um a lot of people, a lot of good people. Well, we'll cover that at some point. Leslie Ann Warren. Yes. Yep, she's good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> and funny. But on the flip side, a movie we will never cover is Battleship, which I don't know what they were thinking when they were turning that. They made a movie out of Battleship? Yeah. The board game? Right. The, well, kind of a board game. It's more like, yeah. I don't know what it is. But, the, yeah. Almost like Connect Four. Because They'll turn anything that. into movies now. Oh, sure. I mean, Pirates of the Caribbean. We're going way off topic here. Yeah. Uh, Jungle Cruise, Haunted Mansion. Uh, if it's gonna make money, they'll adapt it. Uh, which kind of leads me to one of my final thoughts: is I don't think a movie like Duel would get made today. It would. It's a shame. It's a damn shame. And I could definitely wax poetic on that, but I won't because, as you know, I don't even like movies now. Now, almost everything that I've contributed to the podcast has been from the 70s. That's yeah. my that that's what I consider to be the golden age of movies because that's when the studio system died and when exper- not so much experimental but people were tackling it from a different angle now right. movies. Right. And uh, I I I'm contributing a lot of 80s movies, but um Okay, yeah. The 80s, it, I mean, it, I would say the 70s was more of a dangerous period. Yeah, which is why I like it. Yeah. Uh, there the, was a definitely um, a big fuck you to authority going on in the 70s yeah. with cinema. Um, that they wiped out, basically. Right. And, yeah. and, and just like I, like I said, I don't think it would be get made today. I mean, Richard Matheson initially had shopped this around as a feature. Um, oh, right. And, and then, then he had to write, and they didn't want it. They so didn't he want it. turned it into a novella. Which was a bestseller, New York Times bestseller list. Right, and then ended know. up in published in Playboy, and it was Spielberg's secretary mm-hmm. who mentioned it to him. Mentioned it That's to him. The and story, his at response, least. His response is, what are you doing? Read is like She's like, I like the article. Yeah, yeah. The and articles I mean, used to be really good. I don't know I if know they still a, are. I yeah. know it's a joke, but I mean... Playboys, but I mean, Playboy's known for good articles, or not, was and good interviews too. Okay, now we've gone completely off topic. Now, we're well, it's still dual, sure, know, sure. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, read Playboy, kids. If you're listening. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> um, and if you do read Playboy, tell us if the articles still hold up. Uh, <laughs> we're dying to know. Um, so yeah, we we're we're getting to that point. We always say that our episodes can't go longer than the movie, so it's time that we start wrapping this up. But I think we uh, we tackled pretty much everything. Yeah. Uh, that we needed to. Um, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Again, uh, we're available in your favorite platforms. If we're not, let me know which platform you would like us, and I will do my very best to get us on there. Uh, at some point, we might be on YouTube. Um, 
just the audio portion, but uh, some people listen to you, YouTube uh, podcast. I actually maybe we can have pictures of the movie. You know, something. We yeah. we're, um, I actually was talking, stills. Yeah, something. Um, I don't know if we get in trouble, copyright trouble, but we do. We at the very least we could use our original title card. Um, oh yeah. This is probably a conversation we should be having without the mic on. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Talking you don't, shop. Yeah, but you don't need to hear us talk shop. We talk enough shop. Um, but we thank you all for listening. We do it. We would be having these conversations regardless. But the fact that you're tuning in to listen to us talk about um, some movies that are off under and ahead of the cinematic radar is uh, it's a joy to both of us. We both appreciate it. Uh, and we're going to continue putting out episodes as long as you continue listening. So tell a friend, um, spread the word of the Cold Film Companion, uh, join us on Facebook, uh, join us on uh, Instagram and on Twitter. Let us know um, if do you have recommendations for movies you'd like to do. And um, we're, we, we always like interacting with the fans. Um, so um, thank you all, and um, good night. <laughs> <laughs> um, 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 bye. Um, <laughs> bye. <laughs>